Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great tasting all natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to symbiotica.com. That's C Y M B I O T I K A. This podcast is part of the 76ers Podcast Network. Search 76ers Podcast wherever you get your pods. This week's edition of Tom's Talks is a conversation with one of Philadelphia's own, NBC Sports Philadelphia TV announcer Mark Zuboff. Mark has called the Sixers games on television since 1994, and he's been a part of the broadcast dating back to the last time the Sixers won the NBA championship in 1983. We talk about, among other topics, broadcasting games off-site, his award-winning career, and the Sixers' chances in the restart to the NBA season. Here's Mark Zumoff. Welcome once again, everybody, to an edition of Tom's Talks. And today we're joined by award-winning television broadcaster Mark Zumoff from NBC Sports Philadelphia. So it's Tom's Talks meets Zoo's Views. Hello, Zoo. <laughs> Already are making me laugh, as you normally do. All right. So you guys are doing remote broadcasting. You did the three scrimmages with the Sixers in the bubble in Orlando, and now the games start. How's the remote broadcasting been working? And I'm sure you kind of, in in terms of those scrimmages, like the dry run, if you will, even though you were on the air. How's that been going with the remote broadcasting? So even as I answer, I'm curious as to what you think, because I know you've been doing the same thing. But You're right. The scrimmages were good to sort of grease the wheels and get us used to the facility, uh, the protocols entering the building. You have to go through security, you get your temperature checked, you go into the elevator, you go all the way up to the top to the hockey press boxes. And then literally we are all situated individually in an individual hockey press box. So there's a work area. There are a couple of uh, 32-inch screens. Uh, there's uh, lights that are already there. There's a camera that's already there. So the reason they're doing it is because the infrastructure is already in place. In terms of the mechanics, I'd really be curious as to what you have to say because you're calling the game a lot differently because you're not there. You're waiting a beat to either identify a player, to make a call, who's the foul on, what's the violation, that kind of thing. So, But I think once you get used to that, and I think it's easier for me, Tom, than it is for you because – 
I have the pictures to tell the story. So if I could follow up with a comment that's maybe delayed a little bit because I'm not quite sure what's going on, it's a little more permissible. With you, there's always that immediacy and that pressure. Do you feel that? A little bit. And it's been, uh, honestly, I didn't know how it was going to go. And I know you've done remote broadcasting because we actually did the same tournament all the way back in uh, 2002, I believe, that FIBA World Championships from Indianapolis. But anyway, um, I didn't know how it was going to be until we actually started doing it. I felt like we could do it. We've all seen a million games on TV, and basically that's what we're describing. What One thing that strikes me is I always want to say, the, and the crowd quiets. <laughs> there is no crowd, <laughs> so it's very quiet. Um, and I have to stop because, you know, obviously it's been very quiet. But it's been really – it's been solid. I mean, the NBA has done a tremendous job. And again, for radio to have the audio come in, which has been good. And there's been times like they have a PA announcer, which I love because it, you know, a, it brings like authenticity. And then it also pays off the call. Gives us information. As I'm saying Tobias Harris, he's saying Tobias Harris for two, you know, right, right. then like by way of example, the second game, the Sixers play the Spurs and that's a Sixers home game. So it's going to be their imaging, and I think they're going to have Matt Cord with a public address announcement for the starting lineups. Hmm. That part is great, and I think it's been great for our fans. Have you found that? I'll tell you what. Speaking of fans, that's the one thing that I do miss because you're playing off the fans. I know for us it's an important element. Somebody makes a big hoop, and our director goes wild with our crowd, and they're very colorful and very much into it. And, of course, from an audio standpoint, it just kind of supports the whole thing. I mean, that's why they call it spectator sports. Uh, I think the NBA has done a really good job with their virtual fans. And I know the Sixers are going to have some sort of a contest where, whereby fans can become one of those virtual fans. So, listen, it is what it is. Whether we're doing games off a monitor like we used to when we were 14 years old and we were aspiring play-by-play announcers, or the fact that we have no fans and we have to have virtual fans instead. It's just really good to have NBA basketball, and I'm really looking forward to Saturday. One last thing about the fans, but I want to get back to that 14-year-old in a moment because I find that fascinating about how you began to achieve your dream. But, you know, and you love being in the arena, and the fans and where we sit in, in, the, in the center – you know, and you used to sit on the court and you do a lot on the road, you feel that pulsate through you. That's something as a broadcaster, I know you're going to be able to meet the moment, but that's what gives you you the electricity and you the energy. That That's really special. And for now, that's not the case. But do you know what I mean? Like over the years, you I mean, you feel you can cut it with a knife almost, the energy in, in the building. Well, and think of the players as well, how they feed off the fans. Joel Embiid in particular, Allen Iverson is used to back in the day of 2001 when they went to the finals. It's, it's, a, it's an imperative, important component. Uh, not only do the fans have to be there, but their supportive advertisers paying the, the uh, ticket prices, doing whatever it is that they do. So listen, uh, for fans watching now, you are sorely missed, and we can't wait for the day when we can get you back in the building. So you're part of a broadcast crew and have been for years. And I know your partners have changed a little bit, but now with Allah and Serena, all of you on the air, but J.R. Aquila, now Mike Herman and Josh Schrager and Sean Alexiak overseas. I mean, the, and you guys have won so many awards. Your shelves are probably full the Mid-Atlantic Emmys, but it's television like tapestry. Like I, I get to see your monitor. I watch the games. 
uh, because oftentimes like JR will, the producer will give me a, a, a monitor to be able to watch the games even on the road. And I'm just amazed. It, it, like I, it's almost like a film. Whereas let's say it's Martin Luther King Day and I try to bring, I open, it's just my voice oftentimes and sometimes a soundbite, but I get the importance and the, the import of the day. Whereas you're open and they showed at the NBA broadcast meetings where it's best practices it's unbelievable. Speak to that a little bit. Well, first, you're very kind to say all of that. And basically, Tom, as I look at you, you have to be everything. So you have to convey the mood. If it's happy, if it's sad, if it's exciting, it's not exciting. Is the coach angry? Are you angry? Whereas with us, I'm just a, a cog in a wheel. I guess an important cog to that standpoint, but a cog in the wheel nonetheless. So I'm kind of the ringmaster or the host, if you will. And then it's my job to facilitate everyone. So bring Ala Abdanabi in for a comment. Bring Serena Winters in for a comment. Go to a replay. Uh, go to a special effect. Uh, do whatever it is that the producer needs to be done. Uh, there's a constant give and take with the director. I might be telling a story and he's got to show the pictures or he shows a picture and I have to tell the story. I mean, you know, you've done your share of TV to, to get all that. And I appreciate your opportunity to bring my insight to the fans. But uh, I, I think the thing that, is good with our group is we all leave our egos outside and we try to bring a real team spirit to it. So while I might have a very high profile position, I'm no uh, more important than a guy like Josh Schrager. You mentioned him, our associate producer, who when Joel Embiid does something great and posts numbers that are unprecedented, he's there with the research and, and brings it out and that's his time to shine. So it's, it's just a team effort. I appreciate everything you have to say, but you know, I'm blessed to be able to work with the people that I work with. Speaking of numbers and preparation and research, you do as much as anybody. And you really, like Brett Brown talks about his pregame routine. And for a home game, he gets to the center and he works, you know, in the building all the way up until game time from give or take 9 or 10 a.m. And you really put in the time and you get to the building early. Talk about that preparation. And as you say, you might only use 10 or 15% of it, but it's voluminous and it makes you comfortable. It makes you prepared and it brings you to your television broadcast with the best preparation possible. Well, I'm going to provide some insight to the fans and say this, you, you are encyclopedic. So when we're on the bus or we're at the arena or just out to dinner or something like that, your recall of stories and facts and all of these things is just unbelievable. I, I don't have that luxury, so I literally have to bone up before every game and get all that stuff and marry it to, to my frontal lobe and hope that it stays there. But it, it, listen, it's, it's all about preparation. If you go on the air and you're not prepared, if you don't understand the stakes or the good players or the X's and O's or the personalities, then you're not only doing a disservice to the fan, but yeah, it's, it's like performing out of costume. You, you just don't fit with the show. So uh, that's something that I was always taught by mentors. The late, great Gene Hart, who was the voice of the Flyers. He would carry around uh, back in the day like a three-inch thick notebook with, uh, with past games and things that he could look up and that sort of thing. And when I listened to him and his ability to recall that stuff and the texture it added to the broadcast, uh, it just uh, you know, became my thing as well. Let's go back, I believe it's, say, the spring of 1994. The Sixers have just signed Scott Williams, who had been with the Chicago Bulls for three championships. He's a 6'10 center. They sign him as a free agent. At that press conference, help me out if I'm, not, if I'm wrong here, 
Yeah, I know where you're going. Then owner Harold Katz signs up next to you and informs you that you are going to be the TV voice of your hometown team, the Philadelphia 76ers. What was that like? So you, you just gave me chills recalling that moment. I just want to say to anybody who is watching, if there is any way that you could somehow make a dream come true, no matter how far-fetched it is, go for it. And even if it doesn't happen exactly the way you planned, at least you gave it an effort and, and you tried. Uh, the fact that I was an, a nine-year-old kid, 10-year-old kid, turning the sound down of the TV, doing games into the tape recorder, and, and now doing the games, this the whole thing has been an out-of-body experience. So when I decide that I'm not doing it anymore and somebody taps me on the shoulder and says, you know, you just did 76ers basketball on TV for the last however many years, I, I won't believe them. It's, it's been that kind of experience for me. So I'm just grateful and um, really happy when I wake up in the morning that when I look at the ceiling, I say to myself, hey, you know what? You're going to go do a basketball game. And, and, and that's a privilege and an honor and, and very special to be able to say that. Appropriate. You look at the ceiling because now you're right by the ceiling at the very top of the, <laughs> of the center there. Uh, <laughs> what? So you practice, as you say, you, you maybe even on a reel to reel. And I think back on it. And I used to take a tape recorder to games where I was, you know, I had like a TV pass because I was used to be a television news guy. But I used to simulate the broadcast, but I'd be in the arena. But you did it at home, off the TV, and developed, you know, the early underpinnings, if you will, of, how you're, of your style. Tell me more about that. So now you're leading me into a story that I know you've heard no less than 5,000 times, but I'll tell it anyway to those who may not have heard it. That's exactly what I did. I would turn the sound down of the TV and do games into a tape recorder. And back in the day, it wasn't like it is now where you could turn on any one of a number of sports channels and find an event somewhere, even if it's a replay. So I would come home from, say, middle school or high school, and I had this desire to broadcast a game. So I would take the TV and put it on channel eight. And back in the day, we didn't have cable. We had over-the-air channels, and there was no channel eight in Philadelphia it was just static that sounded like a crowd. So I would regulate the crowd and I would sit next to the speaker and I would literally make up a game in my head. Here goes Greer Chamberlain. Chamberlain hook shot good. And I would crank up the sound. <laughs> and the static would be exactly like a crowd. So in fact, I've told that story a lot now because various writers have interviewed me and they say, what's it going to be like to do a game without a crowd? So um, here's the funny thing. And I say this about players all the time that when you watch players in the NBA while they've had formal training in AAU and college and high school and coaches and camps and everything else, a lot of what they do at its very core is stuff that they develop while they were playing in the parks and the playground. So it's kind, of, it's kind of the same thing for me. A lot of times I'll listen to myself and I'll remind myself of that 14-year-old from back in the day. That's cool. Now that may or may not have been a union violation. You running your own board back then when you were 14. <laughs> now, but that's true about a person's background. Cause I often think of, you know, Aaron McKee was a great finisher around the basket. And maybe that was cause he played in playgrounds in North Philadelphia or whatever, like Sean Bradley grew up in Castledale, Utah. I don't know that he backed down a lot of people at seven, six or whatever, you know, in the early ages and stages of his career. And that maybe shaped him, 
as a pro. Well, I'll, give you, I'll give you one more thing while we're at it. Uh, World Be Free always tells the story about playing with the older kids, and that's why he had such a high arc on his jump shot. We'll continue our conversation in a moment. In this time of social distancing, NovaCare Rehabilitation is offering physical therapy from the comfort and safety of your home through their new tele-rehab program. NovaCare will virtually bring their services to you so you may heal, build strength, and get back to the things you love. Telerehab lets you easily connect with one of NovaCare's licensed therapists through web-based technology that is HIPAA compliant. For more information, visit NovaCare.com. Now back to my chat with Mark Zumoff. So one of the things I think uh, your listeners and uh, listeners of our podcast here will get a kick out of is you got when your career was starting and you went to Temple, and I'd like to delve into that in a moment. But first, you guys were part of the Prism and Sports Channel crew at what we call Room 10. It was in the spectrum. And there's so many of you that are still friends today. John Slobakin, I mentioned J.R. Aquila, Sean Alexiak, Larry Rosen was, I don't know, Paul Jolovich was in that room. But all of that, it was a little room. No, I mean, the deck you're on is probably just as big on that event level of the spectrum. And now almost all of you have excelled and are still in the business. A special deal that dates all the way back 25, 30 years ago. Tell me more about that. Room 10 is, we've often joked that it should be a series on TV. It should be a sitcom because it was a small room at the spectrum. We were an adjunct to the events then. So we did between periods, we did halftime, pregame, postgame, that sort of thing. We did features and, and provided other information for the old Prism TV, the forerunner to NBC Sports Philadelphia. They had a combination of movies and, of course, the hometown sports. And we worked in an environment that while we were covering major market teams and broadcasting to a major market, it was no different, Tom, than, you know, you working in one of the panhandle cities that you worked in when you were coming One, up. only one. Yeah, but, but my point to you is, I don't know if it was Pensacola, what was it? It was Panama City. It was Can Panama City, on? okay. All right. But, but, my, but my point to you is, uh, we had small market conditions where equipment didn't work and we got paid very little and that sort of thing. But being thrown together in this little room, I think, uh, kind of bonded us and gave us a really good work ethic. So... John Slobakin is a vice president of NBC Sports Regional Networks. And Sean Alexiak, who was also my intern, is now my boss. Jeff Halleckman is the producer for Phillies Baseball. Uh, and, and, and the list goes on. So uh, we're really proud of it. It's nice of you to bring it up. And I'm, um, it dredged up some good memories being able to just talk about it. Well, and the late Tony Irving, uh, you guys did a lot of work together. And, you know, you speak of those cameras you might drive up to Boston to interview Larry Bird at Hill Senate College and on the way back, go to the garden and go into the locker, locker room of the Lakers. I mean, today, certainly there would be some foreplanning. You could accomplish some interviews, but not like back then where you're going to, you know, interview Larry Bird in the afternoon and that you know, the next day see, or that night see Magic Johnson. Those are, spe like, those were your salad days. That was a pretty good appetizer. You're absolutely right. The accessibility was a lot different. And I understand why they're not as accessible now because of the internet, because there are so many different media outlets. There are legitimate ones. There are pretenders. There are people who are clamoring for their time. And because of that, they need people to, I don't want to say shield them, but 
certainly uh, sift through the legitimate requests and and the ones that aren't so legitimate. But yeah, back then uh, it was great. And uh, Tony was an African-American, God rest his soul, from North Philly. And he taught me the game. And I have to admit that because I was with him interacting with other African-Americans, he he helped to open that door. So we would saddle up to Magic Johnson and he would talk the talk. And then the next thing you know, Magic Johnson is telling us about the Robert Hall suit that he wore from the time he was 12 until the time he was 16. So, um, you know, I have a lot of gratitude for Tony for showing me those ropes. And yeah, they, they were great times. That taught me the game. And that's, I think, what has what enabled me to cover the game as I do now. And Tony had a swagger. He wasn't afraid to go in there and, and ask somebody, whereas sometimes I, I might be like too polite or whatever. But I want to get to Temple, and you're a proud OWL alum. And Temple University, and we just lost Luke Klein a, a year or two ago, but, and we've been there, you got the Luke Klein Award where you got the, into the Temple Hall of Fame for, for that, as well as some of the people we've already spoke of, uh, Sean and whatnot. And, and I've gone there. And when you see some of the people that went to school there, I mean, right here in Philadelphia, what an incredible uh, training ground to get experience in a market this size at a school like that. The Luke Klein School of, of Journalism Communications. What a neat thing that is. I think it's nice of you to say that. I would say this when you look at some of the other schools as well, Syracuse, Ball State, Indiana University those other schools that have supplied a lot of people in our business. It's probably a combination of great faculty, great facilities, great curriculum. And if you have one or two notable graduates, like you look back at Syracuse and you have uh, Marv Albert, or you have uh, Marty Glickman, I believe was at Fordham and, and, and then, uh, you know, Mike Breen went there. So, um, I think that what happens is it kind of feeds upon itself. I'm not sure what comes first, the chicken or the egg, but uh, the fact that you have one or two notable graduates, I think is an attraction along with the fact that Temple just does a great job training and graduating uh, prospective broadcasters. And speaking of prospective broadcasters, college students, young people in the business, you've taken to mentoring and actually helped evolve that into a business. You've helped dozens and dozens of young broadcasters. Mark, tell us more about that. Yes, I don't, I don't do it anymore as a business. I stopped it a couple of years ago, but it's something that I really enjoy. I often refer to the late physicist Richard Feynman, who had a saying that I've allowed to become one of my credos, and that is when one teaches to learn. So when I can take a, an aspiring broadcaster under my wing, uh, it helps me to either learn new things because they can teach me or it reinforces things that I may have taken for granted. So it's very gratifying. I enjoy it. My door is always open. And anybody who can find me and find my website and find my address is welcome to, uh, to get in touch with me. The Sixers staff has grown so much over the years, as has uh, many of the staffs around the NBA with basketball operations and player development. But when you first started, John Lucas was the coach, and this happened when I was there too. But so your first year, 94, 95, the Sixers go out west, and oftentimes you would go right to the practice facility. And if this is uh, how it unfolded, or if it isn't, help me out. But you guys are like in Portland, 
and John Lucas has yourself out there. Your director at the time on the TV side was Frank DiVincentis. <laughs> he had cowboy boots and a big buckle, and you were rebounding for the Sixers. That doesn't happen anymore. So uh, Luke, I guess, in that respect, was family and was bent on innovating. But I'll give you a couple of other quick stories. Um, one in particular that I remember, and, and this was highly unusual, and today it would be totally forbidden, was that I would go to shoot-arounds the morning of a game, you know, for those who are uninitiated, a formal or an informal practice, last about 45 minutes. And this would be at the Spectrum. And before they would go out and go through the other team's plays, they would gather inside the locker room to review video of that, that night's opponent. So one night I was in the locker room and I was, uh, or one morning I was in the locker room talking to some players and Luke came in getting ready to start this film session and I started to leave. And Luke pointed to me and said, zoom off, you stay. And I proceeded to sit there with the players viewing video and, you know, I didn't know what to do. I felt like just kind of crawling out of my skin or faking my own death because I'm looking at the players and they're looking at me and it's like I was such an interloper and it felt so inappropriate. But, you know, this is kind of what Luke was about. He was about family and having no secrets if you were in the inner circle, that kind of thing. So, uh, listen, those were, those were interesting times. And, Mac, I know you had the second of Luke's uh, two years in Philly. And I think if you and I put our heads together and wrote a book uh, – We'd have to change the names, and then we would need the witness protection program. That's funny. All right, so the season's about to resume. There are eight what they're calling seeding games, the first of which Saturday this coming weekend against Indiana. What do you think are the Sixers' chances? Do you think they'll move up? Do you think they'll play Miami? Like, what do you, deal, what do you think is going to happen in the next couple of weeks? So one thing the Sixers have – in their favor is the fact that they have the second easiest schedule behind New Orleans, so that would help. I think that the next eight games are more about Brett Brown making sure he gets guys in playoff-type shape, uh, flush out this new starting lineup with Shake Milton, ensure his rotations, see what he has going on at the wing position, because right now that's rather crowded, and make sure that his team is ready for that next level of basketball. Yes, they will certainly try to win. They're hardwired to do that. But is there any prize at the end of that rainbow? Is there home court advantage? I, I, I think the one thing they may want to try to avoid is the fact that if you do move up, let's say you're five or four, now you're in the Milwaukee bracket and assuming they beat the eight team, which is a fait accompli, you're facing them in the second round as opposed to the conference finals. So, you know, is there a situation, say, where, um, you know, you're down eight with two minutes to go? Do you arrest Joel Embiid for those two minutes or do you send them in there trying to trying to win the game? You know, you might be faced with those kinds of decisions. But I really think that that's the mandate for this team and the coaches and the players. Look ahead to the playoffs and be the best you can be by the time they roll around. Well, you're the best, Sue. We thank you so much. Enjoy the broadcast and the rest of the season, and thank you for your time today. Mac, you're the best at what you do. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Tom's Talks with me, Tom McGinnis, on the 76ers Podcast Network. Check for new episodes every weekend. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. 
the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. This is where projects come to life. Our showrooms are designed to inspire with the latest products from top brands, curated in an inviting, hands-on environment, and a team of industry experts to support your project. We'll be there to make sure everything goes as planned, from product selection to delivery coordination. At Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery, your project is our priority. Find great brands like Bosch at your local showroom or visit us online at ferguson.com build.